Over the last couple of weeks, we have been taking time to talk about you are. Two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that you are called. And if you missed, uh, if you missed that message or you missed last week, you are a person of faith, uh, you can always go online and get that, and I encourage you to do so. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit as we go into this Christmas season about the fact that you are a person with access. Uh, you have the ability to be in contact with the greatest power in all the universe. Uh, if you've worked in the, in the, in the, in, with a yard at all, you've probably used something called Roundup. Roundup is great. It's got all kinds of applications. You can get Roundup that you can spray around your flowers and it'll kill the weeds but won't kill your flowers. You can get Roundup that you can spray in your garden and it won't kill your garden and the, and the fruit and, and the things, the vegetables that you grow are still all, all, can still be eaten. You can get Roundup that you can spray around trees and won't hurt and harm the trees. But there is an all-purpose Roundup. You want to make sure if you get that all-purpose Roundup that you know what you're doing with it because it kills everything. Everything, it poisons, and it all dries up, and everything dies. And as we think about this fact that we're called, that we have faith, that we're a people with access, I want to remind you today that hypocrisy in our life kills everything. It destroys the power of our calling, it undermines our faith and keeps us from seeing the mountains in our life moved. And it destroys our access to the presence of God. So we have to live our life in a way that is free from hypocrisy. Amen? Let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. I want to read a, a scripture to you today. And what has happened in this scripture is Jesus is on the cross. And he is, he's about to give up his spirit. He gives up his spirit. And a very interesting and important thing happens at the moment that he does this. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I want to read it to you, read this portion of the story to you from, from Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again and a loud uh, with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks we're split. Father, we thank you for your word today and what it reveals to us about who we are and who you are. We pray that you would just uh, speak to us today. Let us be encouraged. Let us be strengthened. Let us walk out of here with new faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Say hello to somebody around you. Greet them in the name of the Lord.
I'm curious today, how many of you do not remember, don't even know what it is, never heard of it before, the PTL television program? How many, how many of you in this room never, no, not, not that you know, you never heard of it before. Anybody never heard? I've got a few hands of people who've never heard of PTL television program. How many of you know what the PTL television program was? All right, let, let me, for those 15, 20 or so who raised your hand that didn't know, PTL started back in the 1970s, ran through the mid to late 1980s. It was a television program uh, hosted by Jim and Tammy Baker. Uh, they, it was, a, it was a, a, a Christian program, a Christian interview program that covered all the nation, all the world. And we won't go into why it's no longer in existence, but it was really a powerful thing in its, in its day and a, a wonderful thing. And they had built out in the Carolinas, was it North Carolina? I'm trying to remember. North Carolina, I think, they'd built the PTL uh, campgrounds and facilities, and you could buy timeshares and, and go and stay there, and you could uh, go camp there, and they had all kinds of, uh, they had a water park there and hotels there and, and shopping places there, uh, really beautifully done. It was just a magnificent facility. And uh, it was in the mid-1980s, maybe within a couple of years before it closed, it was really uh, just a huge, fabulous place. And, and uh, uh, the, Jim and Tammy were the directors. They had hired uh, a guy out of Illinois, the Illinois District Superintendent of the Assemblies of God, was hired to come there and be like the number two guy in command, kind of help get organized and help. Uh, help this thing run more smoothly, and, and he had gone. His name was Richard Dortch. Richard Dortch was a good friend of ours. Uh, my dad's, he's a great friend of my dad's. He'd been in our church and spoken at our church many times and was, uh, knew about our ministry and had been, we'd been involved with him, was very instrumental in the early days of my ministry in, in, in helping me get started in, in speaking in different places and doing things. And uh, it was during that time when he was there that he called and he wanted, uh, wanted me to come out and spend some time there and wanted us to bring uh, our youth choir, the transitions at that time, a group of about 40 kids. He wanted us to bring them out and spend uh, a number of days on the campus there. We were going to sing at some of their outdoor venues and sing at different things that they, at their, at their youth one of their youth meetings, have some youth meetings with the, the youth because they'd started a church there as well. And we're going to do some things with their youth and spend several days doing all of that kind of stuff and then stay for Sunday morning and sing on their Sunday morning television program. And so that was kind of an exciting offer for us. And so we loaded up the kids and we headed to PTL. And when, when we got there, uh, the atmosphere on the campgrounds and the atmosphere on the place was just wonderful. People were there, people loved God and wanted to be there, and, and, uh, and we just had a, a fabulous time. It was in this time that, um, that we were there that computers and using computers uh, in, in places like hotels and on, on campgrounds like that was really beginning to happen. A lot of places didn't have them yet, but PTL did. And, uh, and, and I remember going into uh, the hotel when we first got there and uh, waited in line, got in line, and uh, get up to the desk, and, and the gal says, uh, do you have a reservation? 
And I said, well, I guess. And she said, uh, well, we're full. And I said, well, okay. She said, so give me your name. And so I gave her my name. And she was kind of, you know, just kind of, kind of punched in my name. And I see her look up at me. She looks back down at it. She looks back up at me. And she looks back down. And she goes, you're, and she calls, says, you're Mark Johnson. I says, yes. And she says, you're from Springfield. I said, yes. She goes, oh, you're a friend of Pastor Dorch's. And it was just like the whole world opened up to us. Hotel room suddenly opened up to us. She said, all you've got to do is go to any of the restaurants on the grounds, give them your name. You're taken care of. Uh, We've got a schedule here for you. And it gave us a schedule. And she said, now on this day, you guys go over to the water park. Just give them your name. And sure enough, we walked over there, and the place is crowded. And and I walk up. I give her. They just said, how many do you have? I said, I think there's 42 of us. She said, take them right through that gate, right over there. And we were in. Access just flew up. On on the Sunday that we were to sing, we were told to go around to the back door of this of where this auditorium was, and we'd gone around to the back door, and uh, went to the door, and, and the door's locked. They said, "Just go to the door and knock on it." And I knocked on it, and here it's opened up by a guard in a in a in a uniform guard. And his deal was, uh, "What do you want?" And I said, "Well, we were told to come to this door." He said, "Well, everybody's supposed to come in the front door." I said, "Well, we were told to come to this door." He goes, uh, "What's your name?" And I told him my name, and he looked, he pulls out this list, and he reads down. He goes, oh, yeah, come on in. <laughs> the door opens up, and we all go wondering. Now, i, I got to tell you, if, you know, your pastor has some flesh problems. And, and one of my flesh problems that rises up is when I see a door that says, do not enter, authorized personnel only. I want to go through that door really bad. I want to peek around and see what's inside of that door. I'm just really curious. Why can only authorized personnel go in that door? And so we're at a door, authorized personnel. The door opens. I am feeling good. We walk in, and it's just a big, dark room. There wasn't hardly anything in it. But we had access. We had access. This is something I want us to capture. Until that curtain was rent, and two from top to bottom. There was no access. But once it was written two from top to bottom, we became a people with access. We get to walk in the presence of a great and mighty God. The most secluded room in all of history was the Holy of Holies. In the tabernacle and the temple, there was a holy place then a curtain, and then the Holy of Holies. In the temple, the Holy of Holies was the innermost sanctuary, the place where the Ark of the Covenant rested and where the presence of God would abide. This place was so sacred, so secluded, so holy, that only once a year on the Day of Atonement, only one man, the high priest, was allowed to enter that room. He offered the blood of a special sacrifice to atone for the sins of all of Israel. The room outside the Holy of Holies was the holy place, and between these rooms hung this thick curtain separating all of humanity from the presence of God. 
The exception was that high priest once a year, the sanctuary enshrining the presence of God from which the veil excluded everyone but the high priest on that one special occasion, thus denoting the imperfect reconciliation between God and his people and that the way to the, whole, to, to the holiness was not yet made manifest. Today, it's so common to seek the presence of God that sometimes we miss the sense of privilege that we have to be able to walk in the presence of God. We miss the fact that we only get to do this because of the blood of the Lamb. We miss the fact that if we stood before God on our own, that we would be found unworthy to stand there. Many times we don't have the sense of his holiness or the separateness of God or the power of God, that he is perfect in every way. And many times we don't stand in awe of the very concept of who God is who speaks worlds into existence. During the centuries of Israel's existence, it was unheard of for common people to consider approaching God. The penalty for such arrogance was death. But an amazing change took place when Jesus finished his work on the cross. When Jesus finished his work on the cross, that curtain that separated all of mankind from the presence of God, that curtain that said only one person will be allowed to enter here, only one time a year, and that with the blood of atonement to, to cover the sin of the people. That curtain that separated and said no access, authorized personnel only. All of a sudden, at the moment that Christ died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two, very symbolically from the top to the bottom, saying only that God himself had grabbed a hold of this curtain and torn it in two, and suddenly mankind has access to the presence of God. Amen. This happened because of the sacrifice of his son. Now, friends, I, I want to tell you, I think if we understood that thoroughly, we'd all be on our feet cheering today. We would be shouting with joy today that we have access to God. And I want to call you, look, don't let the thought of that or the sense of that or the reality of that become so common that we take it lightly and we take it for granted. We've been given this great gift of access into the presence of God where he can hear our voice and where we can speak to him and where he receives us because the perfect blood of the Lamb has been spread on the altar for you and for me so that we can enter boldly into the presence of God. It's a great thing. You are now a person of access to God. Today I want to talk about two ways to really access Him. If I could get every new believer to do one thing consistently for the rest of their lives, what do you think it would be? I'm, I'm your pastor. You've heard me speak a lot of times. Just in the back of your mind, what do you, what do you think it would be if I could get them to do one thing consistently for the rest of their lives. Somebody may say, well, you get them to go to church every week. Nope, that's not what I'd 
That, that, if I could get him to do one thing, that wouldn't be it. Uh, you get him involved in ministry. Nope. If I could have one thing, if I could say to every new believer, and they would do it consistently the rest of their life, it wouldn't be getting involved in ministry. Tithing. You'd get him to tithe. No, if I could get, get every new believer to do, I only had one thing, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be tithing. Worship, you'd have them worship. No, it, it wouldn't be worship. A soul winner, no. Wouldn't be a soul winner. You'd have them be a person of prayer. It's important, but no, that wouldn't be the one thing I'd, I would want. If I could get every believer to make one commitment, just one, if I only had the power to get them to make one commitment, for the rest of their lives. I would call them to be a student of the Word of God. Why? Because if you become a student of the Word of God, you're going to fall in love with the body of Christ. You're going to want to come to church every week. If you become a student of the Word of God, you're going to discover about your gifting, and you're going to want to get involved in ministry and use your gifting. If you become a student of the Word of God, you're going to discover about generosity and you're going to want to come and honor God with your wealth and with, with the good things of your life and be a blessing to others. When you become a student of the Word of God, you're going to discover how great God is, and you're going to want to worship Him and praise Him. If you become a student of the, of the Word of God, you're going to become aware that every living person has a living soul, and you're going to be, realize the importance of reaching the lost. If you become a student of the Word of God, you're going to understand that you can be a person of prayer and that prayer changes things. The Word of God is our first access point to God. It's our first real way to know Him and to begin to experience Him in our life. Two of my favorite verses that I talk about all the time on this subject, the first one is 2 Timothy 3, 16. It's one that every one of us should know. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is one of the standard key explanations of the importance of the Word of God. You can't hear the voice of God more clearly if He physically manifested Himself in front of you and spoke to you than you can hear it when you read and study the Word of God. He breathed out every word of it because He thought in His in His revelation. This is what is important for you to know about me, for you to know about you, for you to know about how the world works, for you to know in life. Here it is in black and white, clear for us so that we can understand him and have access into a walk with him. He breathed out every word and it profits us to learn it to apply it to our life, to be corrected by it, to be instructed by it, to learn about it. It helps us, and we are the better for it because we're getting the Word of God. It's an access. But this is why we encourage you to read the Word of God 
every day. Just get out something. Begin to read the Word of God. If you don't know where to begin, uh, talk to your C2 group leader or talk to one of the pastors. We'll help you begin a Bible reading process where you can begin to understand the Word of God. It's why we have a quip on Wednesday nights so we can come in and more in depth study elements of the Word of God. So because we believe the Word of God is God's Word for us and it's profitable for us, it's not just another night of the week that we're going to go, oh, I'm going to go do my duty and go to church. No, we come with hunger into the house of God. Listen, listen. this is the difference many, many times between the adult that gets saved and the person who grows up in church. The adult who gets saved comes to Christ, has a hunger, knows they need to learn things, and many times has a hunger to be in the house of God and to learn as much as they can, where the person like me who grew up in church, it becomes easy to go, oh, it's just another church service. It's just another Sunday school class. It's just another teaching time. Instead of having a hunger to say the Word of God is God's word to me and is profitable for my life. Breathed out for me. This is why we have C2 groups. So you can sit around in groups and talk about the word of God and discuss what God has said through a message or through some teaching and how, do we, how we apply it to our lives. The Bible gives you access to God. Now, now here's where it really gets you know, maybe a little spooky for some of you, okay? Here's the second scripture. For the Word of God is living and active. Let me say that again. The Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If you are around a person much who takes the Bible seriously and reads the Bible, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say this very line to me. Pastor, I was reading through the Bible, and, and I was reading through this book. I've read it. Pastor, I don't know how many times I've read this book. I don't know how many times I've read this passage. But last week I was reading through this, 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 the book, and I was reading through this passage, and this scripture jumped off the page at me. I've read it dozens, if not hundreds of times, but it jumped off the page at me and helped me through something I'm going through right now. How many of you have had, how many have had that experience? Yeah, look around. Look at people who have had. Why? Because the Word of God is living and active. It lays there. You read it and you study it and you kind of get it. But then the day comes when you're in the middle of crisis or you're in the middle of, need, of a need of faith or you're in the middle of need, a need of direction and you're reading some passage that you've read a dozen times and you've appreciated it, you've known it, you've understood it. But in that moment, it goes past just being that thing and it becomes the living, active Word of God in your life and it transforms the way you walk the next days because the Word of God is living and active. It's, it's, it's powerful. The Bible is living. God takes the Word and He applies it to your circumstances today. I've wondered how many people have needed help of the help of God in their life. Going through something, wondering where God is. They've been given access to God 
but they've missed it because they have ignored his word. They haven't studied his word. And now the time comes when they really need and the foundation isn't there. They've ignored teaching time. One of the most amazing things to me I, I hear people say that just baffles me at times is somebody says, oh, pastor, I'm just too hurting to come to church. That's when you need to be in church. You know, I'm just going through this thing and I just can't get myself up to get out, get out of bed to go to church. That's when you need to be in the house of God. You need, I'm going through this grief, and I just can't face people. I don't, they all look at me as such a sad thing, and I just can't face. That's when you need to be in the house of God. Why? Because that's when you're going to hear the Word of God. It's going to breathe life into your life and give you strength in that moment. I, when I'm thirsty, I don't stay away from the sink. Are you with me? Oh, I'm so thirsty. Why don't you go get a drink of water? Oh, you know, that would just... You know, turn that water on it would know I needed it, and then I, that's just a long walk into there. And <sighs> I just can't get myself up out of bed to go get a drink. How pitiful is that? See, that's what the enemy does to us. He tries to keep you from the living water. He tries to keep you from the access point to God that will breathe into your soul. The Word of God, as we talked last week, builds faith. It strengthens us to stand against the pressures of the day. It tells us how to respond to the circumstances of the moment. We need the Word of God in our life. Now listen, this is a generalization, so don't come after me. I'm giving you a big general, generalization here. But if you are worried if you've got something you're worried about, if you've got something you're scared about, if you've got something you don't think you can overcome, if you've got something you're fearful about, you need to read the Psalms. You'll hear about all kinds of people who had things they were afraid of, things that were, 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 were scaring them, things that were overwhelming them, things they were fearful about, and how God moved in their life. If you need to learn how to act, if you were raised and you weren't raised with a Christian foundation, you've been a person of the culture, and you need to learn how to act and think like a Christian, you need to read Proverbs and James. That'll give you the common sense direction of how to live as a person who's a believer. If you need to learn about the rules of the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works so that you can walk under the power and the authority of, of God's presence in your life, you need to read the Gospels. You need to read Matthew where he says, this is the way it is, but let me tell you the way it's supposed to be. My kingdom is made up of these things. You need to read it and soak it into your spirit. If you want to know how powerful God is, you need to read Genesis and Exodus and the books of history. If you want to know the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need to read Acts and Galatians. If you want to know the role of the church in your life, you need to read Ephesians and First and Second Thessalonians and many of Paul's writings. If you want to know the responsibilities of being a Christian leader, you need to read First and Second Timothy and Titus. If you want to know about salvation, and how, how, how the work of Christ is so important in our life. You need to read Romans and Hebrews and discover about the truth of salvation. And if you want to know about the future, you need to read the prophets and, the, and the, you need to read the book of Revelation because, friends, there's a future day coming that you need to be ready for. 
Friends, the Word of God is full of life-giving power for us. And yet so many never pick it up at home and read it. They neglect the house of God and the places of teaching. They don't get in place. They don't become a serious student of the Word. And so we become, as we talked this last week, the strange mixture of our culture and our faith that doesn't really look anything like real faith and real Christianity. The Bible is God's word to us. The Bible, when approached with sincerity of heart to know God and to know his will, gives us not only knowledge, it is a living word that breathes his spirit into us and we have access to the very presence of God because his word is breathing life into us. The Bible will, bring, will breathe faith, it will breathe courage, it will breathe understanding, it will breathe authority into our lives. And when you speak the word of God, his power will bring forth the fruit of the word. This is why we tell you, you know, sit, sit down with people that in your life that you don't know whether they're saved or not saved, whether they, whether they have a knowledge of Christ, and have a spiritual talk with them. You know, set an appointment with them. Sit and look them eyeball to eyeball. Say, look, love you. You're my friend. We work together. We, li we live next door. You're my cousin. You're my dad. I just want to tell you what I believe. You don't have to answer anything. You don't have to do anything. To I just want to tell you what I believe. And tell them your salvation story. And at the end of it, say, do you have any questions? They may say yes or no. They say no, say fine. So once you know I'm here, watch my life, see if I'm different. And walk away. Say, well, if they don't accept Christ, it's not your problem. Your problem is you're called to share the truth with them. The Word of God is what's living and active. You share your your truth, the truth that you found in Christ with them, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. It may take a day, or as we heard if you were here Wednesday night and you heard the testimony Wednesday night, it may take five years. But the Holy Spirit loves that person. God loves that person. And his word will continue to be active in their lives. When we speak these things, friends, we speak with authority and power. But remember, hypocrisy kills everything. The Word of God is profitable for you and equips you to do His work. Remind yourself of the Word and speak it to others. The Word of God is powerful. Read the Word, and when you read it, here's one little tool that will help you. When you read it, after you've read it, chapter, stop and say, what did I just read? Just remind yourself of the story. And then ask yourself this question. What does this story say to me? God, what are you telling me today? Now here's the second truth that I would instill if possible into every person's life. And that is that you become a person of prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may stand against the, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the 
authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Boy, we've got to come to understand this. If we're going to win the spiritual victories, we've got to understand. Later in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all the prayer, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that the words may be given to me to, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. See, here's our problem at times. The natural has become so common that the spiritual sounds unreal. And so we try to fix our issues, even our spiritual ones, in natural ways. Because of this, we try to change things in the nature and never receive the fullness of the presence of God. We try to discipline people or argue people or fight people into the kingdom instead of understanding where the spiritual battle is. I did many, many things to point my children to God as they grew up. I'm glad I did every one of them. You know, I put them in a Christian school. I raised them in the church. We talked about the things of God in our home. We sent them to camps. We, we, we did many, many things to point them to Christ and to talk about the fullness of Christ. But I tell you, I, I sincerely believe that the greatest thing I ever did for them was pray for them. To pray consistently for them. I wouldn't give up doing all those other things. I think they're all answers and direction of what God would give us as we read his word and as we pray. But I believe the greatest battle over their souls is not in the flesh, but it's in spiritual realms. The greatest battle for our city, for your friends that are lost, your relatives that are lost, doesn't mean we don't have the obligation to share the word with them. Doesn't mean we don't have the obligation to live a right life in front of them. Doesn't mean the, that we don't have the obligation to do right things and invite them. But where the real battle's at is in spiritual things. You hold names in your hand that people are going to send an invite to. Now, that's just, that's just a little thing we do in the flesh. We feel the Spirit of the Lord's led us to do it. What you need to do now, though, is pray for them over the next couple of weeks. And pray that God will draw them and begin to use invitations like this to draw them into, into his house. I, pr I pray prayers of protection over my children. I pray it over my, our marriage. I pray it over our church. I pray it over our country. But sadly, most people's prayers are reactive instead of preemptive. Something bad happens. Our kids go off the rail. Our marriage gets in trouble, and all of a sudden we become really willing to spend some time in prayer. Friends, I'm telling you, America's off the rails. We need to be spending some time in prayer. But I want to encourage you. You are a person with access to God. You don't have to wait for it to go off the rails. You can start praying for Him now. You can start intervening now. You can keep that thing on the rails by praying and seeking God and, and inviting the power of the presence of God into these things. You have access to the throne room of God 
by prayer. You get to boldly come before him. Some miss this. Some don't take advantage of this. They're raising their children, and they kind of, you know, maybe they bring them to church and hope things work out. But we, we have this power. We have the power over the enemy that influences the lost. Listen, you cannot pray a lost person into salvation, you can pray that the power of the enemy over the lost person is silenced so that the Spirit of God will speak to them and they'll be drawn to salvation. Pray over our home and pray over our workplace and pray over our church, on and on. We have access to the authority of the living God and we can pray and our prayer changes things. But remember, hypocrisy kills everything. James says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. He says, listen, you don't have because some of you don't ask. And some of you, even when you ask, you don't have because, in other words, hypocrisy destroys everything. We have access. There is nothing too big for God. There is nothing he cannot do. The wind and the waves answer to his voice, and you have access to God. You can pray preemptively for the ones you care about and the things you care about, and you can pray reactively as you see the enemy fighting in their life. But the key is is that we need to pray. We have access to God. Are you praying for a lost person to come to Christ? Do you have somebody in mind that's on your list? Are you praying for the church to win souls and build believers? Are you praying for your children and grandchildren to have a soft and open heart to God? Are you praying like it matters because prayer does matter? It changes things. You are a person with a calling. You are a person of faith. And when you take that calling and you combine it with faith, and you put behind it the power of prayer, you become a person of access to the ones who speaks worlds into existence, that there's nothing impossible for him, and your issue is not too big for him. Abraham, Moses, Samuel, David, Jeremiah, Daniel, James, John, Peter, Paul, and dozens of others built a legacy in this life of being men, being women of God who stood strong, who, put their, who followed their calling, put their faith in God, and prayed, and history was changed. Legacies were built. And my call to you folks, my brothers and my sisters, This is the hour we build our legacy. This is the hour of our eternal calling. This is our opportunity to change a world and to change a generation. Let us be faithful to our calling. Let us live by faith and let us walk in the access to the almighty God that he has offered to us by his son paying the price on Calvary for you and me. 
And let us not take these things lightly, but let us approach them with dedication to the purpose of God. If you believe that, stand and give the Lord a clap offering today. Lord, we glorify you today. We glorify you today, Lord. Oh, prayer teams, if you come down front this morning. I just want to tell you, there's something eternal God wants you to do. There's the daily eternal things God wants you to be a part of. And every now and then there's a mountain to move that he wants you to be able to move. Hypocrisy kills everything. But access to God changes everything. Today, you're standing here and you say, you know what? I've, I've, I'm still living for myself. I, I, need to, I need to surrender my life to Christ. In the next few minutes, as others come for other prayer needs, I want to invite you to come and just have somebody pray. Just tell them I need to get my, right, my heart right with God. And they'll pray with you because we believe that Jesus has already done the work. The curtain's already been torn in two. And he's given you access if you'll just ask for it. He'll move in your life and you'll be born again today. This will be the best Christmas season of your life. But believers, I want to call you today. Let's not just make our faith another thing we do in our week. We are called to be followers of Christ. Let us be a people who live by our calling, who live by faith, and walk in access with God. So here today, you can come in here, many needs in your life. You have access to God. One of the things God tells us is to pray for one another. That's why we do this. We do this because his word tells us this is how his kingdom works. And so we, we ask you to come and let somebody pray for you. Whatever the need may be. Maybe a physical need. Maybe a, a decision you're making. Maybe somebody that God's calling you to go talk to and you've just been filled with fear and you need the strength of God to go talk to him. But whatever it is, you have access to God today. None of these people around this altar are God. They just have access to God like you. And together, we can pray together and believe for strength to come into your life. I want you to know I love you. I believe God loves you. And I believe that as we do these things, friends, our names can be written in that ongoing list of heroes of faith who walk on this earth as full-fledged followers of Christ. Amen.